this week, the nuclear agreement made with Iran dominated the news. The Vienna Agreement was signed on Tuesday, July 14, 2015, at the Palais Coburg Hotel, located in, of all places, Herzl Square in Vienna. Obama's agreement is, by all accounts, historic. On the same level that pre-World War II British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain's Peace for Our Time appeasement agreement with Hitler and Nazi Germany was. If we cast our minds back in history to September 29, 1938, British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain, French Prime Minister Edouard Daladier, Italian dictator Benito Mussolini, and the German Fuhrer Adolf Hitler all signed the agreement together. The agreement capitulated to Germans' demands, sacrificing the Sudetenland, the region of Czechoslovakia, to Germany. The 1938 Munich Agreement was hailed as a great success, with Chamberlain returning to Britain to a hero's welcome, having achieved peace. After stepping off the plane from Germany on September 30, 1938, he proudly addressed the crowds. The settlement of the Czechoslovakian problem, which has now been achieved, is, in my view, only the prelude to a larger settlement in which all Europe may find peace. This morning, I had another talk with the German Chancellor, Herr Hitler. And here is the paper which bears his name upon it as well as mine. We regard the agreement signed last night and the Anglo-German naval agreement as symbolic of the desire of our two peoples never to go to war with one another again. As you can hear, the crowds were jubilant. Well, later the same day, Chamberlain stood on the steps of Number 10 Downing Street and proclaimed, My good friends, for the second time in our history, a British Prime Minister has returned from Germany, bringing peace with honour. I believe it is peace for our time. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Go home and get a nice, quiet sleep. End quote. Well, while Britain slept, the German war machine was started. And less than one year later, Germany had Czechoslovakia and Austria in its grip and had pushed into Poland. Chamberlain's appeasement policy had failed, and he went on the airwaves once again. I am speaking to you from the cabinet room at 10 Downing Street. This morning, the British ambassador in Berlin handed the German government a final note stating that unless we heard from them by 11 o'clock that they were prepared at once to withdraw their troops from Poland, a state of war would exist between us. I have to tell you now that no such undertaking has been received and that consequently this country is at war with Germany. Well, that was 76 years ago. Today, it is not the British who have led the charge, although they were involved. It was the United States. And following the completion of the agreement Tuesday, President Obama made a statement at the White House where he proudly stated his achievements. Today, 
After two years of negotiations, the United States, together with our international partners, has achieved something that decades of animosity has not, a comprehensive long-term deal with Iran that will prevent it from obtaining a nuclear weapon. This deal demonstrates that American diplomacy can bring about real and meaningful change, change that makes our country and the world safer and more secure. Well, similar to Chamberlain, who cited former British Prime Minister Benjamin Disraeli, who on his return from a congress in Berlin in 1879 stated, I have returned from Germany with peace for our time, Obama decided to use the same tactic and cite former American President Kennedy's success. This deal is also in line with a tradition of American leadership. It's now more than 50 years since President Kennedy stood before the American people and said, let us never negotiate out of fear, but let us never fear to negotiate. He was speaking then about the need for discussions between the United States and the Soviet Union, which led to efforts to restrict the spread of nuclear weapons. In those days, the risk was a catastrophic nuclear war between two superpowers. In our time, the risk is that nuclear weapons will spread to more and more countries, particularly in the Middle East, the most volatile region in our world. Today, because America negotiated from a position of strength and principle, we have stopped the spread of nuclear weapons in this region. Because of this deal, the international community will be able to verify that the Islamic Republic of Iran will not develop a nuclear weapon. It is ironic that Chamberlain conceded his disappointment and ill-placed trust when he made Britain's declaration of war on Germany. Listen to what he said. You can imagine what a bitter blow it is to me that all my long struggle to win peace has failed. Yet I cannot believe that there is anything more or anything different that I could have done and that would have been more successful. Up to the very last, it would have been quite possible to have arranged a peaceful and honorable settlement between Germany and Poland. But Hitler would not have it. Chamberlain wanted a peaceful and honorable settlement, but Hitler would not have it. Obama ended his speech with the words, Today's announcement marks one more chapter in this pursuit of a safer and more helpful, more hopeful world. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless the United States of America. Well, anybody who reads their Bible or even studies history knows that this is the most naive view on a par with Chamberlain's. The Bible clearly states the policy of the little horn and its associates in the time of the end. We read in Daniel chapter 8, verse 25, Through his policy he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand, and he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many. But he shall stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. Thessalonians echoes the tactic to be employed at the time of the end. We read in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 2 to 3, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. 
Well, what are we to make of the proud pronouncements of presidents and prime ministers? Italian journalist Giulio Miotti, in an article entitled The World Has Just Abandoned Israel and the Jews, had the following to say this week. We don't know if Iran will actually manufacture the Islamic nuclear bomb. We don't know if Israel will use its military power to stop it. But we certainly know that the world has just abandoned the state of Israel and the Jewish people. The U.S. abandoned it. The U.S., which didn't rescue the Jews during the Holocaust and didn't help the Jews defend themselves during the 1948 War of Survival and Independence when they were attacked by five Arab armies. Barack Obama showed his real face by preferring Islam to Israel and Western civilization. The U.K. abandoned it. The UK, which used the white paper during the Second World War to prevent the Jews from reaching Tel Aviv and saving themselves in the gas chambers. The European Union abandoned it, the same Europe on whose soil Hitler planned the extermination of one-third of the world's Jewry. The Western conscience abandoned it. He went on to state, Today it seems that for many journalists, men of letters and Western politicians, commentators in newspapers and on television, it is more comfortable to stay in perfect harmony with the emotions and the reasonings of international public opinion, which gloats in satisfaction before this horrible deal. To praise the appeasement of Iran's Islamic revolution and to forget Israel. Europe and America signed this deal to follow their cynical economic interests. Europe wanted to open the Iranian market. The world is interested in money, not in Israel. I will go even farther. In their hearts, they think that Israel is a burden and that the Middle East will be much more peaceful without a Jewish state. The Iranians and the Islamic world will do everything in their power to destroy the Jewish state. And after Vienna, they know that many nations will not shed a tear if Israel disappears. End quote. Well, some think that Giulio Miotti is cynical. But the Times of Israel reported that the business trips have already begun, starting with one of the signatories, Germany. The article was entitled, German Business Mission Headed to Tehran, says Iran Media. And the article stated, sanctions still in place, but reps from Siemens, Mercedes, Volkswagen, said to be en route to Islamic Republic for trade talks. It stated that less than a week after the nuclear deal between Iran and the world powers was signed on Tuesday, a German delegation of top energy and other industry officials is scheduled to visit Iran, an Iranian news agency reported on Friday. The delegation will include 60 members and will be led by Berlin's vice chancellor and economy minister Sigmar Gabriel, Fars reported. So Miotti's judgment of the situation proved to be absolutely true. Germany isn't interested in peace, it's interested in business. After all, somebody has to foot the bill for Greece's bailout. Well, Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu was quick to respond to Tuesday's announcement. The world is a much more dangerous place today than it was yesterday. The leading international powers have bet our collective future and a deal with the foremost sponsor of international terrorism. They've gambled that in 10 years' time, Iran's terrorist regime will change while removing any incentive for it to do so. In fact, 
the deal gives Iran every incentive not to change. In the coming decade, the deal will reward Iran, the terrorist regime in Tehran, with hundreds of billions of dollars. This cash bonanza will fuel Iran's terrorism worldwide, its aggression in the region, and its efforts to destroy Israel, which are ongoing. He went on to state further. Here's what Hassan Nasrallah, the head of uh, Iran's terrorist proxy, Hezbollah, said about sanctions relief, which is a key component of the deal. He said, a rich and strong Iran will be able to stand by its allies and friends in the region more than at any time in the past. Translation, Iran's support for terrorism and subversion will actually increase after the deal. The bottom line of this uh, very bad deal is exactly what Iran's president, Rouhani, said today. The international community is removing the sanctions, and Iran is keeping its nuclear program. By not dismantling Iran's nuclear program, in a decade, this deal will give an unreformed, unrepentant, and far richer terrorist regime the capacity to produce many nuclear bombs, in fact, an entire nuclear arsenal with the means to deliver it. What a stunning, historic mistake. Israel is not done, is not bound by this deal with, with Iran. And Israel is not bound by this deal with Iran because Iran continues to seek our destruction. We will always defend ourselves. Well, Netanyahu has been raising the alarm about Iran for years. Many journalists have dismissed Netanyahu's remarks, as they did Churchill's warning about Hitler, calling him a warmonger who has a personality conflict with Obama. However, he isn't the only Israeli leader to be raising the alarm bell. Newsweek reported this week, Yitzhak Herzog, the leader of Israel's left-wing opposition, stated the nuclear agreement will unleash a lion from the cage. It will have a direct influence over the balance of power in our region. It's going to affect our borders, and it will affect the safety of my children, end quote. Well, the result of removing sanctions against Iran was discussed by NPR's Jackie Notham in an article this week entitled, Lifting Sanctions Will Release $100 billion to Iran. What then? Question mark. She answers the question in the article, stating, $100 billion. That's roughly how much the U.S. Treasury Department says Iran stands to recover once sanctions are lifted under the nuclear deal. The money comes from Iranian oil sales and has been piling up in some international banks over the past few years. But there are questions about what Iran will do with this windfall. But with the nuclear deal, Iran will be able to access the $100 billion after the International Atomic Energy Agency verifies that it has implemented nuclear-related measures under the agreement. Dubowitz, the executive director of the Foundation for Defense of Democracies, says there's concern about what Iran will do with the money once it gets it. We have no ability to constrain Iran if they want to spend $100 billion on funding Hezbollah or other terrorist organizations, he warns. But when you're getting $100 billion plus cash windfall, even if you're spending 5 to 10% of that only on the regional activities and your support for terrorism, that's an extra 5 to $10 billion plus dollars. 
During the press conference on Wednesday, President Obama conceded that some of the money could be used to stir up trouble in the Middle East. End quote. So it appears Netanyahu isn't as unbalanced as some would like to depict him. The other concerning factor is the push to turn this agreement into a UN resolution by the United States. Under the headline, U.S. set to adopt Iran nuke deal Monday in Obama blitzkrieg, Israel's Eretz Sheva reported the following. In an under-silence adoption procedure, instead of the United Nations Security Council holding a normal positive vote, the motion that is set for adoption under silence is deemed automatically adopted unless a party specifically objects to the motion. This under-silence procedure would put the onus on Israel to be the first and possibly the only objector to the United Nations Security Council's adoption of the Iran deal. The Obama administration's use of the under-silence procedure would appear to be an attempt to scare Israel into fearing that raising the objection to the Iranian nuclear deal will expose it, Israel, to the charge of obstructiveness and perils of isolation. Contrary rise, Israel's failure to raise an objection would be seen as an assent or at least acquiescence. To make matters worse for Israel, with Israel's objection, the United Nations Security Council would likely then unanimously vote 15 to 0 for an Iranian deal. As for history's sake, it'd be important to have the 15 members of the United Nations Security Council go on record as having voted for the what many are calling a modern-day 1938 Munich appeasement of the Nazis in a comparison to the Islamic regime's calls for, to destroy Israel while reportedly building a nuclear arsenal. End quote. So once again, Israel will be forced to stand alone. What else is new? The warning of the prophet stands for all those who turn their back on Israel. We read in Zechariah 12, verses 1 to 3, the burden of the word of the Lord for Israel. Thus saith the Lord, which stretcheth forth the heavens and layeth the foundations of the earth, and formeth the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about, when they, say, when they shall be in siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. In that day I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces." though all the people of the earth had gathered themselves against it. End quote. So shame on those nations who turn their back on the plight of God's people. The day will soon come when Messiah will burst forth onto the scene, and the blessings will be issued for those who bless Israel, and the curse for those who curse it, which goes right back to the foundation of the nation. We read in Genesis 12, verse 3, I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So, when Obama ends his speech with the call for God to bless America, he should probably get his Bible out and realize that there's only one way in which God will bless America, and that is if they bless Israel, who is the apple of his eye. Obama predicts a peaceful and honorable settlement, but the question remains, will Iran have it? Well, that question was answered by Iran's supreme leader today. The Times of Israel reported, Iran's supreme leader on Saturday hailed the Iranian masses for demanding the destruction of Israel and America and said he hoped that God would answer their prayers. 
In a viciously anti-U.S. speech delivered in Tehran four days after Iran and the world powers signed an accord designed to thwart Iran's nuclear program, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei praised the slogans of the people of Iran, which indicated what direction they're headed for, according to the English translation of his speech by Iran's press TV. At the Al-Qaeda Day rally last week, Khamenei noted appreciatively, you heard, death to Israel, death to the U.S. You could hear it. The whole nation was shaken by these slogans. It wasn't only confided to, or confined to Tehran, the whole of the nation you could hear that was covered by this great movement. So we ask Almighty God to accept these prayers by the people of Iran. Khamenei also vowed in the speech, which was broadcast live on state television, that the nuclear agreement with the major powers wouldn't change Iran's policy against the arrogant American government, nor would it change the Islamic Republic's support or policy of supporting its friends in the region. The Islamic Republic of Iran will not give up support for its friends in the region. The oppressed peoples of Palestine, Yemen, the Syrian and Iraqi governments, the oppressed peoples of Bahrain, and sincere resistance fighters in Lebanon and pa Palestine. Our policy will not change with regard to the arrogant U.S. government, said Khamenei. His remarks were greeted intermittently by chants of death to America and death to Israel at the ceremony held in Tehran to mark the end of the Muslim fasting month of Ramadan, end quote. So perhaps it isn't time to go home and get a nice quiet sleep just yet, at least not in the Middle East. The world is destined for war. Iran, one of the partners in the Gogian Confederacy, wants to bring it into the Middle East. Foolish world leaders are quite willing to feed Israel's security to the Iranian crocodile, hoping to appease it. So while the world leaders delude themselves in their accomplishments, boasting to each other and congratulating each other with Nobel Peace Prizes, they might want to consider the words spoken many years ago by the Israelite king. Let not him that girdeth on his harness boast himself as much as he that putteth it off. 1 Kings 20 verse 11. All this boasting about peace really amounts to nothing when it hasn't been accomplished yet. Real peace will only come when Messiah is in the earth and thwarts the Russian-European-Iranian axis and establish his kingdom in Jerusalem. Let us prepare ourselves for that day and whatever may lead up for, to it. For the Bible in the News, this has been Jonathan Bowen joining you.